Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Mapsa. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episode. We're going to be taking questions from our wonderful listeners. They're wonderful questions. The listeners are wonderful. And the news, I think, is wonderful this week, too, Ken. It is. It is. When putting together the news, I was refreshed to find that I didn't have to include uh, personal tweets uh, of... (laughs) 
of a loud nature this week. But hey, we're always watching. We're always watching. We're always up for those big discussions. We're going to celebrate some big wins. Uh, go back and uh, take a look at Solo and a lot more. But before we get to all that, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Kids, you can download all that and put it on a cassette player, too. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, audibletrial.com slash four center. A little bit later, we have our... our uh, our uh, Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. That's a, it's Joseph. Life adventures begins like that. You uh, you can tell we're both uh, we're both full of uh, talking and ideas and can't wait to celebrate Star Wars. Something I've said almost every day for the last five years. Uh, I can't I can't get out the words right. <laughs> it's one of the one of those days. Well, I think there's that the the things that you say so much that your mouth goes on autopilot is where you're suddenly like, whoa, wait, I'm off the road. What happened? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bumpy. I'm in a Volkswagen bug on a dirt road. <laughs> From the center of the coffee bean, this is the... Wait, what do we say every week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was trying to remember the name of uh, of acquaintance in the business here in, in conversation the other day. and couldn't remember this person's last name. I've worked with them <laughs> several times. Not them, it's me. So uh, that, is, that, is, uh, that is life. That's where we begin. We're... Always like to catch up and talk about Star Wars or Life Adventures. And Joseph, sir, how are you? And what were your adventures? Oh yeah, I'm I'm hanging in there. I think uh, I think life is adventurous for everyone uh, right now. There is just uh, so much going on. Uh, but for fun and positive life adventures, that uh, Adult Swim show uh, that I work on, Tigtone, its uh, second season is raring and going right now, and having a fun thing where we're doing uh, the some of the crew and writers are having a little Zoom. Uh, a little private Zoom watching the show as it's broadcast. So that was, I was able to do that last night. That was a ton of fun. And uh, then the episode that I specifically scripted is going to be on this coming Sunday, midnight on Adult Swim. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, and then for kind of more Star Wars related adventures and and life adventure, it's, a, it's fun that just going to Target is now a life adventure. But <laughs> I think this is the second or third time that I've uh, gone to Target uh, in, in the uh, challenging times. Uh, all masked up, everybody else masked up, all great. Um, but uh, it's fun for me now because it's, it's much more rare than it used to be to check the toy aisles and see what's going mm. on. And this was pretty exciting because a lot of times when I've been, even uh, before the whole pandemic started, everything was pretty stripped bare. Uh, but there, there were many, many different different, differently sized uh, the child dolls uh there were a handful of vintage figures uh there was a wicket there that i oh i almost got it i almost got it uh but i gotta save room for uh the vintage figures i really want but <laughs> the figure that i don't know maybe we covered it maybe it was down super low on some toy release that was like we've already talked about 87 action figures we can't there was a yeah. little series of very uh cute toys called battle bobblers which is a little uh, super cartoony Star Wars characters having a conflict. And like one of them they had was, oh, to, oh it's Yoda and R2 fighting over the lamp. <laughs> but the yeah. one that I saw first was like, this is kind of connected to the movie, but this is much more a what if, this is much more fan fiction. It was uh, a conflict between a little cartoon figure of Chewbacca and two Porgs. And yes. 
the two porgs are standing on top of each other and they have the hero's blade. They have the lightsaber ignited, pointed at Chewie. And Chewie's eyes are bulging and he's holding the little wooden spit with the cooked porg on it. But the sizes are different, so the cooked porg is tiny. So when you look at this cute battle bobbler, it looks like Chewie is eating a porg child and these two porg have teamed up to murder Chewie for it. You know, cute for fun. Uh, I am, as you're talking, looking up because I do know some of these. Oh, here it is. Let's see. Star Wars Battle Bobblers, Porgs versus. Wow. Right. It's, That's crazy. It's taking that that funny scene and really diving into like the uh, deep darkness of it. <laughs> and it, I love on the box is it shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Uh, it's got, uh, man. So, wait, did I hear the, did you, did you pick this up? No, no, I took many photos of it, but no, I I don't, I, I'm fascinated by it, but I don't know if I can have it in my home. It might actually disturb me. Because it's got this, they got these little clips. Oh my, so you can clip it on a hat. (laughs) One of the little logos on the box is used to clip on a hat, on a bill of a hat. What's on your hat? It's Chewie eating a porg. Oh. And the porgs are going to murder him for it. And his, his eyes are like, yeah. boing. <laughs> oh, my God. I love this. Is This is the weirdest, one of the weirdest Star Wars things. Because I've seen, I, I know I've seen the R2 and uh, Yoda one. It's great. Yeah. It's great. And that's kind of um, like in the spirit of the scene, because the scene itself has this, you know, bit of comedy to it. And they're fighting over a lamp, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not like the porgs are like, hello, you murdered our child. <laughs> And I will murder you. And then, okay, so then you got First Order Stormtrooper versus BB-8. It's basically, it's they they basically replaced John Boyega with BB-8 to fight the the First Order. I, you know, all right, maybe talking about that. Um, but I do want the BB-8 clipped to my hat. And then they got Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker Empire. Ooh. But it's so it's so sweet and innocent. It's it, Luke looks like he's just like he's upset but he's like he's got one of those pool noodles and he's <laughs> whacking down the head with it. these are Luke. does luke have both his hands in the battle bobbler he does okay. it's early Whew. fight Whew. in fact he's he's holding the saber with the, the hand he eventually loses so it's early in the fight but man this is a this is an important uh, star wars oh there's a han one somewhere oh what dear is- god what is is he is he uh, oh. is a cute little thing where he's shooting Beckett? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I think it's him and Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Oh, are man! They, again, that's yeah. a moment that actually does controversially, understandably, but has a it's comedy. Yeah, and there's also it's Boba Fett versus Han Solo two pack, and there's also a three PO with his arm off versus a stormtrooper. Huh? That's not. Cannon. <laughs> that, that's not canon. Did that get cut from something where 3PO beats a stormtrooper with his own arm? <laughs> this is it. This is it, man. All right. This this we are scrapping everything we were talking about today. We're talking about Star Wars Battle Bobblers here on Force Center. <laughs> greatest thing ever. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a pretty fun that it was worth leaving the house to see that and be frightened in person. Man. So those are my life and Star Wars adventures. Uh, how about you? Man, I'll tell you what, similar ones this week. I stepped into a Target for the first time since uh, March, I believe. Damn. Uh, yeah, we've been pretty good staying away. I we I got tested, uh, COVID tested on Saturday. Went up to uh, Hanson Dam in L.A. If you're in the L.A. area and you're looking for 
uh, a quicker, less pressurized testing than Dodger Stadium, which I hear can take a bit. Hanson Dam was a great option, 25 minutes in and out. Um, good stuff. So I think emboldened by a negative test, thank you, uh, we ran to Target. <laughs> oh, good, good. Were you feeling any symptoms or were you just double checking? No. Not just uh, one of those things, and for uh, uh, you know, so Grace needed a, a test for work-related stuff, so we're like, hey, you know, let's, let's go do this, yeah. Um, and it was great. So we went over there, and uh, yeah, like you, it's definitely you know, you're like, I'm here for important items. I need potatoes. I need food, sauces, <laughs> um, drinks, maybe some whiskey. Uh, and then I veered left, and Grace is like, No, don't do it. I'm like, I gotta go left. Gotta go toys. <laughs> And no, no figures, no, no figures. And I go to, it's a smaller target. It's a mini target. We call it here, target, target express. But I'll tell you what, they had the Lego set and you know, I love my Legos, mm. uh, the Lego sets. Um, they had the Mustafar dual one, oh. which is really good. And then they had the, um, um, the Grievous Obi-Wan, um, uh, ship, uh, combo set there, the bigger set. But, you know, I, I love doing the brick building stuff on Twitch and I ran out of mid-sized sets to build or even the smaller sets. I only have like Bright Tree Village, Jabba's Palace, the Death Star. <laughs> I want to build those. I don't literally, I don't have the space to build them, let alone store them. So I've been like in the back of my head, like, should I just get another $20 set? So I saw the Mustafar battle and, you know, I reached for it. I had it in my hand, Joseph. And I'll tell you what, I, you know, it's tough to find positive it, positives in 2020. One of the positives I take for myself is I've been able to save up a lot of allowance money <laughs> uh, by not doing, eh, it's Tuesday, three o'clock. I've done all my podcasts. I'm going to go to the hardware store and see if I can just make up things I want to buy. Right. <laughs> and that's a target trip. Like, oh, I need milk. Let me get a hundred dollars in target items. That I don't <laughs> so I, I, I heard the call but i put it put it back on the shelf so the mustafar duel will find its way into my uh cart another day but i thought it was a not only star wars adventure but it was a morality tale <laughs> it was a morality tale all right well you know i think you're you're working pretty hard i think if you hear the siren call of the mustafar duel lego staff i think it would be okay to answer it looks so cool oh so cool. Anyways, but that was that was it. That was it. That was my adventure. That was uh, similar adventures for us. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. I, I look forward to my next uh, time that I need uh, potatoes and sauce so I can go look at the toys. Your left, kids. Your <laughs> left. Uh, we are going to get into the news here on Four Center. We have uh, been just enjoying taking our little uh, little extra time with the news. Uh, we also have been fun having fun putting them up on YouTube. Just kind of rebroadcast, rebroadcasting that part of the show. I told you, it's it's this day. I can't get the tongue to work today. <laughs> I understand. But uh, we are going to dive into the news. We got, I guess, some breaking news, Joseph. At the time of our recording, uh, this is not giant news. You know, it, it was not revealed that uh, Pedro Pascal has quit Star Wars uh, on our uh, recording here. Uh, we've got Mando Mondays. That's right. You can go to mandomondays.com. And every Monday, you're going to see new toys and digital content all leading up to the Mandalorian. And they have a countdown. We're at about 34, 33 days uh, till Mando season two. It's toys, toys, and Polaroids, Joseph. The, this, is, uh, <laughs> this, is the, this is the most important news. The technology you and I took for granted as uh, children is now 
all the rage. Get a Polaroid. Get a Mando Polaroid, Joseph. Yeah, the technology from that song, the Polaroid picture. Um, yeah, this is the whole Mando Mondays thing is fascinating to me. Uh, speaking of uh, old uh, songs, and it makes me uh, sing Manic Monday to myself. Uh, <laughs> another Mando Monday. <laughs> I'm sure someone involved is very aware of that yeah. uh, that little earworm that you can possibly create with Mando Monday. Uh, yeah, this is fascinating to me just from the perspective that we've been talking about for a little while of it feels like Mandalorian and Galaxy's Edge together right now. And for, I think, a while, they're the face of Star Wars. That's what Star yeah. Wars is in the popular culture. It is uh, the child. He's going to be sipping bone broth on anything he can be printed on <laughs> for the foreseeable yeah. future. There is a the child only Monopoly game that I'm very, very tempted by. Uh, what? It's just, it's just oh. a giant picture of his, his face. And I think you go to like, now you get a frog. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't look closely. I think I don't think you can quite buy, you know, a uh, frog. Yeah. Avenue. But anyway, uh, a <laughs> lot of cool uh, products. I think that's, uh, mm. you know, I think it is an ongoing reality of Star Wars since the beginning that that is a part of what makes Star Wars an actual, uh, you know, commerce empire is that fans really like to engage with uh, the story by kind of bringing a part of it home. And this is really fascinating that they're, yeah, there'll be some clips or whatever, but Mando Monday mostly feels like <laughs> there's even more merch in, in revealing really weird and interesting things like the Polaroids. Very cool. Yeah, I, 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 I we kid, um, but I love it. I love that stuff. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, I complain every week about a lack of allowance money despite not going to Target and saving money and storage space. But then you see something like the Funko Pop with the Mando walking with the baby Yoda pram, and you're like, oh, that totally belongs on my shelf. That needs to go in front of my TV. Yeah. Add the cart. Add the cart. Oh, get it out. Get it out. Yeah. So it's just taps into something, man. It just it, it's built into the Star Wars brand. We get it, the history, Kenner figures, everything. It's no surprise. So looks good. We'll be checking on Mando Mondays. Oh, every Monday. <laughs> yeah, the Polaroid mm. somehow just the Polaroid works for me. I think even more than mm. if it had been like a Rise of Skywalker uh, Polaroid or Galaxy's Edge Polaroid, because there's something about Mando mm. that there's so much of it that is tied back to. I think Favreau really wanting to capture the vibe mm. of A New Hope that there's something about the Polaroid that works. Of Let's go back to the old ways. This is the old way. Shake it. Shake it. That's right, kids. Shake your Polaroid. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get to the actual plan headlines. That one was kind of breaking news here. But, hey, we're staying with Mando. Mando wins. Mando wins. We had the Emmys Sunday night. Different kind of broadcast. Uh, we also have the awards kind of announced all during the week. Now, the Creative Arts Emmys usually do happen at another time. Uh, same with the Oscars. I'll never forget Letterman's joke about it um, being uh, hosted with a cash bar. Uh, just uh, <laughs> something that always spoke to me. I love that joke that back in the 95 Oscars. Anyways, moving on. Speaking of old things, uh, we've got uh, let me count here, seven wins mm. for the Mandalorian total. And uh, it was waiting, it was hoping. I didn't I didn't think it would win Best Drama, but hey, you never know. But here's what they got. I'll run through it, and we'll talk a little bit about it here. Joseph Mandalorian took home the following Creative Arts Emmys, Outstanding Cinematography for a Single Camera Series. This was Chapter 7. 
specifically. Outstanding production design for a narrative program, specifically chapter one. Outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series. and uh, That's for half hour and animation, chapter one. Uh, and outstanding sound mixing for a comedy or drama series. That's uh, an animation, chapter two. Got that one. Love that episode. That, ah, that, that, that uh, sand crawler chase alone probably took that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, outstanding special visual effects, uh, Mando chapter two. On uh, the other Emmys, more on the primetime side, though this one was announced Saturday. Outstanding music composition for a series, original dramatic score. Uh, the uh, whole team, but of course Ludwig Gornson kind of leading that team, taking that one, and he tweeted out some great photos. Uh, real gracious. Uh, showing a lot of gratitude for that one there. Outstanding stunt coordination for a drama series is the other awarded to Calm, and that one I totally agree. Latif uh, Crowder and uh, 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 Wayne, Brendan Wayne, sorry. Um, Definitely uh, really contributing to that. Good stuff. Good fight sequences in this one. All right. So that's what they won. What do you think about those big wins, Joseph? Oh, I I'm, I'm, was really, really happy with the level of nominations, uh, the number of nominations. And I'm really happy with uh, all the wins. Uh, you know, I think this is it's, it's really interesting because I, that Disney Gallery uh, show was so successful in really, at least for me as a viewer, making me bond a little bit more with some of the people behind the scenes. So it feels even mm. more personal. Like um, I, mm. I, I would have, I, I think Ludwig Gorenson absolutely deserves it and I'm thrilled by it. Mm. But even more when I hear that he and his team won, I picture him going to be like, well, I'm going to retire to this hut with my weird uh, <laughs> flutes <laughs> and my big computer wall of music making sounds. And like, it, it's even more emotional uh, for me as a viewer because of that great Disney gallery series. Uh, yeah, and I think overall it's just kind of a, a fascinating mirror with A New Hope in particular, or Star Wars as it would yeah. have been called at the time, that when Star Wars hit the scene, it was nominated for all of these, you know, technical. I'm going to say technical, but we all know that the technical is also creative, right? But technically right. technical. Right. Um, so it was nominated for all the technical stuff, but it was also nominated for some of the, the you know, big tier uh, creative stuff, mm-hmm. best picture, best director, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so a little bit similar, not exactly award for award, but very similar that it was that A New Hope was nominated across the board. Uh, so was Mandalorian. And it won in the same way of it won a bunch of the technical awards and the music. Uh, but nothing yeah. higher than that. Uh, you know, is, is a very fascinating uh, mirror to uh, A New Hope. And it makes me think about how much uh, the relationship with genre has or has not changed when it comes to awards. Yeah, yeah we t- I remember when when the nominations came out, we kind of talked about this. And, and, and I think you, you answered just uh, the great question of what these um, wins kind of mean for Star Wars uh, then, now, and forever. It is always going to be... Uh, a weird, uh, I don't know, Game of Thrones was something different. Some of the other shows have come along something different where it transcends the genre in, in terms of awards, in terms of people love it. You're so right, because by Empire, which by all accounts, you know, should have been maybe the one, you know, to get a little bit more on the creative side. Yeah, you know, technical stuff. Um, it's it's pushed aside. Uh, Peter Jackson wins in Return of the King, which was basically like, yeah, good job on all three. All right, here you go. Take this, get on out of here. Uh, and it's just the way it is. But I love the what, the connection you're making here, Joseph. That, to me, that speaks to the Mandalorian showing up and changing the game. And we we got to celebrate it each week with the, the Disney Gallery series. 
And these nominations reflect that is, uh, is what I think. And I, I love the connection you made. This is, it was new and exciting and, and, and trend setting and, and, um, broke new ground in, in, in 77. And now here again, 2019 into 2020, it's doing the same thing, star Wars and no, 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 uh, you know, no mistake. It's a similar vibe, uh, a series there, I guess too, spiritually the same. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating what you said about Game of Thrones, because I think maybe that's a part of of why we're really fascinated with if Star Wars is ever going to win uh, things mm-hmm. like best director, uh, best picture or, you know, or, or best drama, um, because even something like Game of Thrones was like, yeah, it's, it's genre. There are dragons. But the whole spin of Game of Thrones, starting with the books, is, yeah, it's dragons, but serious the adult political right. issues around like that's its whole perspective. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's something fascinating to me about star Wars is I don't think it's ever going to let go of the B picture, the pulp, the adventure serial, the, you know, sense of comedy and whimsy. I think that's always going to be what makes star Wars really different. This tension between, yeah, it's great drama with uh, you know tremendous actors and like the best directors working in the field uh but it's also still going to be like but we're also still here for the the pew pew and yeah i wonder if it's just sort of its perspective uh in always holding on to that you know mm. i can see it winning if if someday you know we get a bunch of different disney plus shows and they really pitch it of like keep the kids at home this is Star Wars for adults that suddenly it will win <laughs> all the big awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly the, the case, especially on Game of Thrones. And I think we can get spoiled, but it's easy to forget exactly what you're saying. The dialogue, though, you know, there's weird dialogue talking about uh, Lannisters and dragons and dire wolves and all those kind of things. You just you just don't you just don't take it as, as fantasy. High, low, mid, whatever. Don't, you don't take it uh, as that where Star Wars, even something you know, I know people were talking about Mark Hamill and Last Jedi. Like, could he get kind of some, any kind of nomination? And I think we all agree that was his best performance as Luke. Whether you maybe agree with the decisions around it, he just put it all on the table and some of his best stuff. But it's just one of those things. It just voters are not gonna they're not gonna look at the Space Wizard too seriously, no matter what. It's just the way of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it does. It comes down to a little bit of how the show presents itself and and the actual yep. PR behind the scenes. Um, yep. The so other- which is which is refreshing for Mando to break through a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just by being, yeah, I don't want to come off overly negative, just by being nominated, I think it does uh, break through uh, a lot of that. And it is a tribute to uh, the how fresh the Mandalorian feels. The other thing I, I wanted to say about this is I think this number of wins and the nominations for things like uh, Best Drama Series, I think it is uh, just undeniably Mando is a success. Uh, we talk a lot on Force Center about, you know, taste in art is uh, subjective. And I, I think we should always say, I love this. This is my favorite. But is it good? Is it bad? We only have so many objective measurement tools for mm-hmm. is something good, bad, a, you know, financial or cultural success. Right. And yeah. uh, especially since we don't have traditional ratings of any kind for a streaming mm-hmm. service. This is one of those few few just like, hey, uh, this is objective. It is a factual truth that it was nominated and for many awards and won many awards. So I think it is one of the things that just will go down in the history books as a successful first season. 
Yeah, and sets a high bar, not just for this show going forward, but for the other Star Wars shows coming down the line. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is an important standard, I think, and fun. And I think it's going to be fun for the shows to, to um, you know, strive for this as well. Not that awards are what the business is about, but uh, just recognition. Uh, I like the recognition across uh, all boards, not just uh, Star Wars podcasts. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And I want Hal Hickle to just keep winning. I agree with you. Disney, Disney Gallery introduced me to a wide variety of uh, folks that are uh, I want to root for. So Hal Hickle, the, the, all the behind-the-scenes people, uh, I'm happy for their big wins. All right. Let's go on to this next story here. I, you know, I, I just, I just knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. What, what a safe prediction that was. But hey, StarWars.com revealed that the upcoming VR series, Tales from uh, the uh, Galaxy's Edge, you're going to be able to walk around, but too, you're going to be able to go into the bars. We're going to have adventures, and part of that adventure will include C-3PO and Anthony Daniels. Oh, you thought he was done, but they pulled them back in. <laughs> Evil voice. 3PO in the ILM X-Lab Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge. Bonus, you're also along the way going to meet Yoda, but focusing here on C-3PO. So first of all, I'll start here, Joseph. What is your just emotional reaction to hearing 3PO and Anthony Daniels together again? I just like that it's continuing. I like that uh, Daniels has never backed off, uh, except for some rare uh, moments here and there from wanting to be 3PO and I love it that he kind of had this great big <laughs> goodbye tour 3PO is featured heavily in Rise mm -hmm. of Skywalker get some great lines Anthony Daniels you know uh basically uh managed to make some book announcements <laughs> <laughs> at uh, Star Wars Celebration in a cheeky Anthony Daniels way so it's basically like I've done it i've been 3po for 42 years goodbye world i'm back <laughs> it's just it's pitch perfect uh 3po and anthony daniels and really delightful yeah this is not a small party e either 3po here's a bit of the story 3po is on the way to batu on an important mission for the resistance remember he he's got charge of uh, the spy network of spy droids he's got some stuff going on and you are gonna have to help him uh, i think it's a crash that leads you uh into this uh, arrangement here so i think that's funny fun too just that it's not just uh he pops out and offers you a drink it, he is he's in it he is he's part of the story you're going to get to interact with him often uh, and that makes it even more worthwhile to me yeah, I really like this storytelling with 3PO of him being the ringleader of the resistant spies. It's, you know, sort of mentioned in Force Awakens. It's really dived into more in the Poe Dameron comic book uh, and in some of the other novels. Uh, I really like it because it makes 3PO proactive. He has a thing that he is doing and he is in charge of. And I think where 3PO suffers for me ever is when he's just reactive because we've seen him be reactive so much where he is around something unpleasant and <laughs> letting everyone know. So yeah. I really like seeing 3PO in moments where he's like, I am frightened. I don't want to be here. I'm upset. I'm, I'm saying all the kind of fun 3PO jokes. Uh, but also I have a thing to do. And the resistance spy thing is really cool to me because it makes him proactive yeah. instead of reactive. Look, there's some really great 3PO moments in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I like Luke and him having that moment. I love the red arm reveal in Force Awakens. It's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars. But without a doubt, I think Nine is just an, is an amazing use of 3PO. So much going on. I think you're right. Just you know, he, When he's just kind of sitting around being fussy and reacting, it, it's fun. It can be fun. But 
I, I love that this character, much like R2, they're just part of the story. They're key to the story. They're at the center of it all. So getting a, an adventure with 3PO is actually kind of interesting uh, for this setting, too, where you get to kind of walk around and, and feel like you're involved. And yeah, look, you, you said it, you talk about uh, kind of talk about how we feel about Anthony. I actually do love his protective nature over it. Uh, we joke and tease Tony for being a showman around these parts there. And I, I know even JJ Abrams in the, the forward to his book kind of uh, tease him as well. <laughs> he loves telling the stories. He loves talking about it. And, you know, and, and he should, he's got quite, quite, uh, quite a, a collection of adventures playing this character. And you said it too, but I want to drill down on this respect. I just really respect for his involvement in star Wars and, even during the times where Star Wars was a little on the back burner or, you know, it wasn't always, I mean, hear me out here, not always, uh, you know, positive feelings around it. Hey, <laughs> maybe not too. But even take that going forward, that Anthony Daniels is here to be involved and he loves it and he embraces it, going to fan weekends, uh, you know, singing on Christmas records back in the day, uh, you know, <laughs> he loves it. And even though, you know, he's he is a showman who loves to tell these stories and, and yep, you can poke him, uh, poke him over that and tease him over that. I just love that. That's what we got from him, uh, Joseph. You know what I mean? Someone who wants to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And somebody who just does feel an affinity for the character. And it all flows out of the fact that the character, you know, Lucas had one idea in mind as they were filming it and he was just doing the voice and going to be replaced. But then he really made that character his own. I stared at that picture on the wall and he stared at me as if, I mean, how many times we've heard that story and I still love hearing it. <laughs> love hearing it. Um, uh, one question. All right. So this is, I don't, this, this is gonna, I don't want to turn this too dark, but uh, you know, but eventually, Hey, he might have to put down the, the mask. You know what I mean? Eventually uh, every, everything must pass. Right. And, and unfortunately, even before uh, Peter Mayhew passed away, the transition had been made to, to Jonas on Chewbacca. Um, and that was, uh, you know, going back to force awakens, knowing that there were some shots where very clearly it wasn't Peter Mayhew, you know, and I remember kind of even in our reviews or discussions going, yeah, you know, there's that he's climbing up the ladder and I just couldn't help but think it wasn't Peter Mayhew. And, and I've certainly not got, gotten over that. I, I don't want to get over Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, but, uh, Jonas Swatomo has definitely just embraced it. And I just think does an amazing job carrying on the legacy. So three PO Joseph, uh, maybe not on screen in movies. We don't know what they're going to do, but in cartoons, animated programs, whatever it may be three PO without Anthony Daniels, any thoughts on that and, and how significant that would be to you as a fan? Yeah. Yeah. I think there are, uh, I was reading, uh, some three PO Wikipedia stuff, uh, <laughs> You know, just because that's what I do on a Saturday night. No, I have to research another thing. But um, yeah, I believe Tom Kane has voiced 3PO uh, a couple times uh, in the past. Um, and I'm sure there might be some other examples that I don't personally have memorized. Uh, but yeah, no, Anthony Daniels has been really synonymous. And I think that it's one of those sad things of, uh, of course, that there's going to be a time where he can't do it anymore. Um, and the world will still want some tales that involve 3PO or tales of 3PO. And it's it's a weird, bittersweet thing that the stories of Star Wars sort of prepare us for this, that mm. they're generational stories. They're stories about letting go. Uh, they're stories about mourning, but also celebrating and accepting that this is uh, the way of things. This is the way of the Force. This is uh, the cycle of, you know, 
uh, uh, one thing ends, but a new thing begins. And I think in a way it's kind of a, I don't know, um, it's a weird thing to talk about, but it's a, mm-hmm. it's a bittersweet, but kind of beautiful way to process that truth because it's so a part of the story, you know, and knowing that mm-hmm. Peter Mayhew and Eunice Swatomo really went through that process. It sounds like behind the scenes of the force awakens and, uh, right. Eunice saying things publicly like I we agreed and I will never tell people which uh, which scenes are me and which are Peter um, mm-hmm. and uh, and having sort of respect for that. But also just I don't know, maybe maybe it's a way that Star Wars can help us all process change and letting go to be honest about it of it's going to happen. And, and here's here's a moment where we can uh, sort of think about it and uh, don't want to quite say celebrate it, but, you know, accept it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the lessons are on, on, the, on the screen and uh, to, to apply them to all situations, it's, it just makes Star Wars that much more valuable. And, and uh, you'll look back and uh, anytime you kind of laughed and rolled your eyes at like, oh, of course, Anthony Daniels is voicing 3PO for this pasta commercial. Uh, you'll <laughs> look back and, and uh, cherish that even more. But fortunately, I don't want to turn it too dark. Anthony, Anthony Daniels is still here showman that he is and he'll be a voicing 3po look for him in the galaxy's edge vr game travel to batu with him final thought on this here uh what area planet or world would you want to see a vr game tackle next because i i don't know if i'm going to get this vr set up uh but walking around uh, galaxy's edge maybe because i got to do it in real life is something that does kind of intrigue me for a, a vr game have you thought about where else you maybe want to explore in a vr star wars game yeah, I mean, I, I like that this VR game is Batu, but then it also sounds like you're going to go to the bartender and hear stories, mm-hmm. and then you get to play through them. So maybe you get to, yeah. you know, see a lot of other places, which is real cool. Uh, but you know what? I think I, I could list a million places, but honestly, Cloud City. I just, I love Cloud City. Yeah. We haven't revisited uh, in canon much uh, at all, and certainly not visually. Uh, it's one of my very favorite levels on Battlefront. Um, when you're playing heroes versus villains, sometimes... Uh, when I had more time to play, I would sit there playing for hours, <laughs> just waiting for it to rotate back to Cloud City. Yeah. So I would love to wander around there in VR. That's great. Yeah, that's a great answer. I, I think I, mine might be Jabba's Palace because I think if you're doing a VR game, you get sent down to the Rancor and you got to fight the Rancor. Oh. And, uh, that'd be kind of terrifying. Then you can go smoke some hookah with Bib Fortuna around the corner. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind that one as well. Um, Coruscant might be busy, but you know, you, we, you and I did the bar crawl, the Star Wars bar crawl last week, going to the Outlander Club or the Cantina. Just a, maybe a VR Star Wars bar, bar crawl is what I want now. Oh, yeah, that would be great. I Talk about the absolute uh, height of just bizarre sort of uh, video game laziness. I would love to be able to go to the Outlander and then just sit there and watch the pod races. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I play those the Red Dead Redemption games where I go play a hand of poker for an hour at a at a <laughs> bar in a in a made-up town i i i could do that uh very easily there all right now to our main event here in the news we got alden ehrenreich discussing his solo adventure this popped up in total film now the full interview is in total film meaning you can go buy the magazine i don't do that anymore i used to do that like crazy I used to go swing by a a newsstand or a Barnes and Noble and get like $50 worth of magazines sometimes. Wow. 2006 seems like uh, yesterday, but also a lifetime ago, but uh, we do get a little highlight uh, highlight collection to go through here. This was, I think some interesting stuff and I'll say this up top. I want to get your thoughts here, Joseph, just 
I'm not surprised that he is talking about it, um, but there was a period, and he does explain it, we're going to discuss it, but there was a period where it just seemed like, a, you know, not that he was grumpy or past it or anything, but just like, you couldn't find him. You couldn't find Alden Ehrenreich, and you couldn't get his solo take. And now we're starting to see some stuff emerge. Yes, he's got a show to promote. That's how it works. But I was pleasantly surprised just to hear him even talk about it if that makes sense, Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is such an interesting phenomenon that has gone on for a long time, but I think is becoming more pronounced that, you know, uh, you, you've heard over the years different genre actors when they've signed up for Star Wars or Star Trek or something else huge or, you know, Doctor Who that, you know, the stories of or superhero things, the story of this actor calls another famous actor who did it and says, you know, what will it be like? And, you know, the story of it's going to change your life. Nothing's ever going to be the same. And it's so interesting that such a specific part of that that has emerged is, hey, remember, you can never promote another project without being asked about the big genre thing. And actors yeah. must just go in knowing like, hey, uh, if I do a Star Wars and I in 30 years later, I do an interview for uh, that <laughs> pasta commercial I did. <laughs> Uh, I will be asked about Star Wars. And and Alden seems to be embracing that reality. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like, um, obviously, I, I know the Boyega stuff, and he's been not shy talking about Star Wars recently for different, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, fair to say more important reasons. But I'm thinking of, like, Adam Driver. You just, you just don't get the sense that that's going to be an okay line of questioning. <laughs> and... I was around Adam Driver for 10 seconds, like 10 seconds. I was leaving Collider. He was walking into Collider and the word was already, don't ask him about Star Wars. Don't even, don't even do it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm getting my book bag. I'm going, <laughs> like, don't worry about it. Um, and again, that's not him saying it. I think he has, Adam Driver has his reputation of being you know, grumpy or whatever, or super serious and intense. I'm sure that's some truth to that, but it, that's not him saying it. It's other people saying it, but Alden, is an actor's actor type of guy. You get that sense. And I just, you know, I just maybe had the wrong impression of him, I guess is what I'm saying in terms of star Wars. Um, so oh, yeah. I, that's, you know, where I'm going with that. We're just like, Oh, I'm glad he's just like, yeah, yeah you're talking about solo. Let's talk about solo. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, that's been a really consistent and consistent and interesting thing and important thing to remember that uh, actors are all different and there are very uh, much actors who are like, I it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I just don't have anything new to say because I went, I had a good experience. I worked hard. My performance is on screen and that's the story. But Alden Ehrenreich is, is somebody who I would not be surprised to see. Like suddenly he pivots to be also being a writer and a director. Cause as we're going to hear, he talks very uh, philosophically. He thinks about the big picture. It's he's not one of those. that's like, I'm an actor and I do my acting job. He is thinking about every element of it. So he has more yeah. to say when you ask him about Star Wars because he and thinks about it from that perspective. True. Deeper, um, thoughtful stuff here. And this is what he said. These are highlights, but we're going to dive in. Alden called it, quote, an amazing adventure. Uh, that's a good way to say it. But uh, I like that that's the take. Again, your focus determines your, your reality here. But he pointed out that it was a three-year journey that left him tapped out, saying the well's dry. There's the answer right there. And I get that. And that's a good reminder, even for, for, for me, Joseph, that the, he's on a three-year journey from auditions, casting, shooting, press, just it living in your life, three whole years for that one movie. And then you got Daisy, John, Oscar, Adam, and the entire uh, uh, sequel era team. That's, that's a 10-year journey that they're on. Yeah. Really. 
and that's going to exhaust anyone. I think people generally, especially Force Center listeners, you know that when you hear, you know, ah, Daisy wants to move on, it's not necessarily a comment on the movies. It's a comment on, that was a decade of my life, essentially. And I want to try other things. And I like that Alden touched on that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this perspective of that he wants to go out and have experiences as a person, too. He's an actor who feels like I draw from my personal experiences, so I want to refresh the well as an actor at all. And yeah, and then I think having empathy the way you're talking about for the experience of these actors who've, who've done an entire trilogy. For me, it's like, um, I I love uh, pasta. I don't know. I'm hungry today. We're talking about pasta constantly. But like... Yeah. If I ate the world's best pasta, if like every night I went to a different famous great restaurant and ate pasta for 10 years yeah. and the second I finished my 10 year pasta journey, a bunch of uh, interviewers were like, you ready to eat some more pasta? <laughs> I'd be like, please give me five minutes and probably yes. But right this very second, no. And look, these experiences, these amazing adventures are that. That's why I love that Alden looks at it uh, as such. I mean, you're going around the world. It's crazy. You're bonkers. You're, you're just living the dream. But it's not nine to five. It's not weekends off. And it really does. It does affect you. And and, and it drains you. And and, uh, and it affects, affects you in the way that you described, Joseph, of like to bring something to the, your next role, even if it's the same Star Wars role. You need to, for a writer, it's like you got to kind of write both sides of the pages, as they'll say. You got to, you got to live it. You got to live life a little bit. And um, it's, it's the same with like a band. Their fir- your first album, it's seven years of trying to make it to your first album. Then the second album is cocaine on the road. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you had two months to write it. All those kind of things. So I think it's important uh, that uh, he, he touched on that. And maybe if he was to come back to this in any way, I'm not speculating at all, but he'd be he'd be bringing even more to, to Han Solo. Yeah, I remember, this is a little off topic, but I remember the painful epiphany when I think it was Metallica's, uh, on Metallica's fourth album, maybe fifth album, uh, I know there's a big difference between those two, that they had a track about, you know, being restricted kind of by parental figures. And I was like, yeah, was like, wait, they are not even remotely restricted by parental figures at this point in their life. What am I being sold by Metallica? <laughs> and then they cut their hair and the world <laughs> fell out. I, I was a, a rock DJ the year they cut their hair. Wow. You would have thought the world was ending. And maybe it was, maybe it was. Kirk Hammett with a short haircut. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, welcome to Metallica Center. We're going to get to that. Uh, he talked about, uh, this is something I know we've talked about, but uh, I just, uh, much like you and I talk about uh, you and McGregor saying things we've heard him say before, but also that we're like, all of us as fans are like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's great. that he, he realizes that or got to experience. Alden said the expectation for the movie, including his, were almost too high. He had the same thing when he heard, oh, they're making a Han Solo fan. He's a Star Wars fan. He gets it. Uh, and that the lower expectations, not, not in a negative sense, that could be used, you could, lowered expectations can be negative. But he just just the lower expectations, the less pressures word, uh, the phrases uh, I'm using is one of the reasons the movie is finding new life on Disney Plus and, of course, Netflix before that. So, again, we have just discussed this before. But what does that really mean to us when we want uh, we want our expectations to be high as fans? Joseph? We want to go into a Star Wars film and say, reach a certain level. Uh, and even though, yes, we are more positive and generally think they've they've reached our levels, uh, they're still those expectations are there. Mando season two. I'm like, uh, arms are crossed a little bit. Like, cool. You, you got me the first season when I didn't think you would. Let's, where are you going to take me now? That's just kind of natural as a Star Wars fan, as a fan of anything. 
Um, but what, what does that all mean to you to hear, especially hear Alden say, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I, I was where with, there with y'all too, but I, I do think we put something out there and with less pressure, you can enjoy it. Yeah. I think for me, it is about, uh, understanding the way we talk about expectations, like high expectations, uh, low expectations that, that makes sense. That's how we just generally culturally, uh, talk about like, I'm expecting this to be really good and oh, it's not. Um, and I expect things I have high expectations in. I expect uh, there to be a really great acting. I expect the writing to be both, you know, in the spirit of Star Wars in that it is trying to do something new, but it is honoring what has come before. Uh, I, I want to see really cool uh, designs of creatures and exciting spaceships. Like I have high expectations for the general level of quality. But I think mm. with Solo uh, in many Star Wars properties, we're not actually talking about high expectations. We're talking about specific expectations. And right. uh, I, I kind of feel like that's what Alden Ehrenreich is saying here. That's how I read it is if you tell the world there's going to be a young Han Solo movie, everybody has high expectations that the quality be high, but they also have specific expectations because we all already have a relationship with Han Solo. So we have these specific ideas of what a Han Solo movie would look like, specific expectations. And then, as you and I have talked about a ton, we go into a movie with or a TV show with specific expectations. And then when those expectations aren't met, it it feels bad because it's not random. We have an emotional attachment to it. If like if the most important thing to you about Han Solo is that you don't learn where he got the scar, just random thing right uh mm -hmm. then your specific expectation was met in solo they didn't tell you if your if your specific expectation was i don't want to uh know where his name came from where solo came from that specific expectation uh was broken it was not met and you have this strong emotional reaction and i think it's kind of natural to say oh the movie was bad instead of saying the specific expectation expectation i had was or was not met. And then it makes it so that second viewing, in a way, is the first time you're allowing yourself to just see the movie for what it is versus what your specific, sometimes highly emotional expectations are. Yeah. Yeah, the specific stuff. Yeah, that's kind of kind of what, what gets you. And I go back to Force Awakens. Now, uh, the pressure and the expectations, you know, I always say, I've been waiting for that movie since 1983, so I had a lot riding on it. And I remember driving home the first time I saw it. And, and again, again there's a lot of things and I, I changed my thoughts on and specific plot, plot points in the movie and specific, specific scenes, Han's death, the one I've probably talked about the most, thanks to some of the stuff you pointed out on the Jedi Alliance episode I called into. But I remember driving back the first time and I enjoyed it and it was fun. And there was so much I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, you know, the Starkiller base and the trench run. And I, I, I had the thought, I was like, oh, maybe they didn't hit my expectation. Like, nope, maybe they didn't do it. Maybe they didn't do it. And then I just was able to kind of go, but wait a minute, what are you feeling? Take, take your brain out of it right now. What are, you, what are you actually feeling? You're feeling joy. You're feeling, oh, wow, that scene. Oh, God, I want to see that again. Oh, when she said this. Oh, my God. So it worked. So it worked, you know? And, and I think it's okay to ask yourself those questions. And, and Alden specifically talks about, you know, for it, the movie, to be able to be seen would take a second viewing. 
And he says, I think that's borne itself out. And that goes some stuff you and I talked about too. Just, just sit on it a second. <laughs> just come on out. Talk with your friends. Yeah. Sit on it. Yeah. And I mean, some of this is kind of where the whole speculate responsibly uh, phrase comes from of like not getting over attached to the specific thing you want. But I think you can also, uh, I think it's also fine to just say like, here's what I really hope it is. And if the first time you see it goes, oh man, those, those specific things I was hoping for weren't there. I'm really bummed out. I'm going to take a beat and, you know, go back another week or whatever uh, and try to see it again for the first time. I think that's, I think that's totally understandable. I think where we get ourselves into trouble is when we sort of just immediately jumped to it didn't meet my specific expectations. So it's bad. Um, and, and to just like really include myself when I went into Rogue One, we on Force Center at that time talked a bunch about Vader's role. And I had mm-hmm. really got myself to the point where the, for me, the great thing about having Vader in a moment like this is we can see the true horror of the threat of Vader in, in his prime. And as the moments were ticking down in Rogue One on my first viewing, I was I was taken out of it a little bit. Like I remember just as it as the as Vader was showing up at the battle, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Okay, we are gonna get that that specific expectation I want. And then Mm -hmm. we're like, oh well, Vader's gonna go over there and do this. Yeah, I can't remember which Imperial says Vader's this. I'm like, come on, come on, Vader, do this. I was so caught up in needing that that very honestly, if the Vader hallway scene hadn't been there and it had just been the business <laughs> meeting uh, on uh, on Mustafar, which I also love, I would have had to take a second because I would have been personally disappointed in Rogue One. And I would have had to sit with that because it didn't meet that specific expectation. And then I would have had to see the film again to get past my, you know, upset that that thing I really wanted wasn't there. And that's a moment I've had to be really honest with myself about of, it would have greatly affected my reaction to Rogue One on the first viewing if the hallway scene wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, especially, you know, nothing against marketing and everything. It, it is what it is. But when you're like aware that you, th- you've seen something now, Rogue One is a little bit different. I remember, remember thinking, Hey, they're not running on the beach. Different conversation. <laughs> Different movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying but, to extend that to like, uh, you know, we had a, uh, that really fun Star Wars ranked about Mando season two hopes. And like, I got some big yeah. ones, but I'm also trying yeah. to say, remind myself of like, okay, if the rumor is true and Boba Fett shows up, here's what I really want out of it. But if it's something different, I got to take a beat and be open to that too. Yeah. And I think that's what Alden is uh, talking about here. And he goes on to talk about the, what he calls the catastrophe or celebration approach, the all or nothing approach by movie media. He does take this to beyond bigger discussions to be had. And I'm right there with him on it, but uh, trying to keep this to Star Wars and movie media discussion, something you and I have been very much a part of in the last five years, Joseph. Um, He says an article headline that says things are complicated and there are good sides and bad sides. Isn't getting the emotional response. And he's talking about, quote unquote, legit high level journalism, right? Not just uh, a website that we all, you know, websites we don't go to or trust. Um, so I, 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 I love that he brought that up because that factors into Solo not doing well uh, in terms of money. We know the budget it had spiraled a bit out because they basically had to reshoot the movie um, and then they didn't make a lot of that money back. He addresses that, but he he does say it wasn't successful as a Star Wars movie, but it was a successful movie. Um, all those kind of things factor into it, and I think that's all that always that stuff always comes up in the discussion of Solo. 
And this was one of those movies. I think the content was not done any justice by the all or nothing coverage of these things, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of those things where like, here's, here's, Alden is a person who uh, wants to look at all sides of everything. He's talking about his own personal experience. He's imagining mm-hmm. uh, the audience's, you know, expectations going in to see a Han Solo movie. He's talking about the media coverage. It's, it's fascinating to have this actor who wants to talk about all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just could not agree with him more. It's a thing that really frustrates me in general and particularly with solo like i'm sure there were some good headlines but so many were just like uh solo flops you know solo's a failure um his star wars dead if you get to <laughs> in the more clickbaity but like right. you know maybe there were a couple of headlines like this but like i think the headlines should have been things like solo's massive box office still a drop for star wars movie or solo's massive box office not enough to um meet finances of reshoot like that's you know including just hey it's it is massive box office but still not as much as a normal star wars movie or not enough to cover the reshoots i i'm not i'm not for anybody spinning it to just make star wars always shiny but that part Mm -hmm. where it's like it made an insane amount of money by normal movie standards is so taken out of the conversation and i think it's an important part of the conversation because it does say that there is still demand for Star Wars, just not on the level or this movie had problems or, you know, the marketing or blah, blah, blah all the conversations we've had. Yeah. And that's, that's probably an almost different side of conversation where I, I really think the behind the scenes stuff, cause there's always going to be behind the scenes stuff that you could talk about. Um, I don't like to factor it into the final product. I don't think you and I uh, do uh, here at Force Center. We just, what's on the screen is what we got, and, and we kind of judge on that. The other stuff, are fu- it's fun. I want Chris Taylor to write the How Star Wars Reconquered the, the, <laughs> the Universe book and, and cover. I really do. And I, I wish I, I wish to death I could hear all the 100% confirmed juicy gossip from all these sets. I, I love it. I get it. But... Uh, I don't I don't like when that factors into the conversation and and, and, I, and the way you discuss Star Wars to me it has it's important and has value. And I think that's something it's part of our un, uh, unexpressed uh, but uh, hangs over everything we do here at Force Center in a good way. Not like the Empire over Cloud City. Um, yeah. You know, the way we discuss it, the way we frame the discussions is is important. Yeah. And I, and I think to Alden's uh, point about. Star Wars and you know if you want to take it out to other things just I feel like there are different levels of um, headlines there's you know what what kind of professional news outlets entertainment news outlets put out and then there's clickbait but I think a lot of them do come together to that point where I feel like they're trying to harvest my anger by by spinning things by making it all glowing or all bad. And I see it again and again on my Facebook feed where, you know, it is clear that people just read the headline and not the article. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that's a great way to talk about anything. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Everybody has a right to be mad about something, but uh, let's try to be mad about the article <laughs> instead of the headline yeah. is a, uh, is what I'm for. Yeah. And, and solo faced a lot of that as a movie and the, uh, the talking points, the, the, the headline talking points that get kind of regurgitated, they're fading away. I've had more positive conversations about Solo in the last six months than, than, than I had at the beginning, for sure, you know? And that's why the, the less pressure in the movie, like Alden said, and, and how we choose to uh, 
discuss it again has has value yeah um we talked a lot oh sorry sorry no no go ahead sir please i was just gonna say you know let's uh (laughs) this is a weird thing to say but like let's set a date uh on the 10 year anniversary of the movie solo uh let's find an eight-year-old and ask the eight-year-old if they know about the what the box office was for solo (laughs) yes yes absolutely uh absolutely and and it's 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 we say that with a little snark and a little tongue-in-cheek but it's true but it's true it's and how movies it, live on with some of this stuff fades yes yes today's problems are tomorrow's memories i don't know does that make <laughs> put, it on, put it on a t-shirt put it on a t-shirt uh today's problems are tomorrow's netflix documentary that you love and watch with your friends uh <laughs> did you know that this happened yeah it is fun. So uh, final thought here, without a doubt, uh, no secret, you and I love this movie and we've talked a lot about why we love Solo and why people should see it and see it again for the first time. What is one thing we love about the Solo movie that we really haven't discussed much before here? Do you got anything? It could be small detail, little vibe, little feeling. What brings you back to that movie? Yeah, no, you're right. We've talked about the big things, so I'm going to really hold myself back and, and not list some of the big things. But I think one of the uh, bigger things that we haven't talked about as much that I really like about Solo is the the romance. Um, we've been talking about romance uh, on Four Center a lot in terms of the that idea of storytelling, of uh, you know sweeping and mysterious. But this time I mean like romance, like <laughs> uh, feelings. Um, I love that it is has these elements of just straight up the narrative is Han and Kira care about each other and they get separated and Han thinks about what it is to be alone and, and wants to believe that he can stand on his own, but also really wants to be with uh, Kira and down to the point of having like, you know, the smooching session on the Falcon and, you know, just some of the score is sweeping unambiguous old Hollywood romance and, uh, in a in a non-sexual way, obviously it's sexual between Han and Kira, but in a just, uh, hey, everybody needs somebody, that is such a big theme of, of people needing somebody. And Kira having this really uh, epiphany that you think you need me, Han, but I'm seeing you've found Chewie and, and you and Chewie need each other, you know, and all these all these different ideas of romance from the explicitly like, Hey, this is fun. Old Hollywood, uh, you know, couple hot for each other to the more just emotional ideas of we all need someone and Han thinking he needs Chira and realizing I don't think he actually realizes the audience realizes (laughs) that he needs Chewie. I love that element. We haven't have had a ton of romance in Star Wars and and Solo gives it to us. Uh, We haven't had a ton of romance lately in Star Wars. Uh, Solo gives it to us. Yeah. And I love, yeah, I love some of the um, just Amelia Clark is Kira. There's just some shots that just are so old Hollywood, you know, just yeah. old Hollywood, and they really work. And they and I and do enjoy that a lot. And yep, love story about Han and Chewie, indeed, as well. For me, it's there's a glee in Han's eyes throughout most of this movie, mm. and Alden does such a good job bringing in. And this is why it starts oddly enough. You know, I'm on video. I'm on record. Dear God, I hope they don't say his name solo and how he got it you know you can find clips of me saying that and then i get to the theater and i see it and the scene happens and i look in alden's eyes and i go he just became solo he just became han that's that's the identity has swept over him and then before that there's a lot of it but even after that there is just that i have though i have a bigger purpose kira as you said 
but I'm out and about in the galaxy like I always wanted. Mm-hmm. And hot damn, isn't this fun? And hot damn, I'm going to go to this crazy private party. I'm in the VIP section. I got this guy. I can tell he's dangerous. But, ah, you know what? It's going to be. I got, I got a really good feeling about this. It just all that showing up. Han at that point in his life. And he's learning the big lessons. The train sequence is about loss of life and the danger of that lifestyle. We got the stuff with, with Infant's Nest. But even at the end with Infant's Nest, when he's, she's like, come on, join us. He's like, nah, yeah, come on. Nah. Adventure awaits me. Yeah. That's, I just Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. it, your, your point is so good because I think that is one of the things that makes it a thrilling adventure is even though he's learning those lessons, he is having so much fun even in moments where he's he's uh terrified he is yeah. excited to be out there and doing this and i think that reconnects us to that just spirit of uh you know whiz bang adventure yeah and then the, the final when he and chewy punch it to into light speed together after the falcon they win the final like the joy of the uh, we know the adventures and, and we don't know all the adventures but we know most of the adventures they're gonna have and we know how bad it's gonna get we know how it ends for han and how his death is important to the galaxy but that is often why I go back to that movie, just to watch, just to watch Alden make those choices of a Han Solo happy to be on this amazing adventure. That's why I love it. That's why Joseph loves it. And if you don't uh, f- fully love it or you're not there yet, go do it. Sit down, watch it again. And I think with lowered expectations, which unlike dating is a good thing here. For <laughs> We are almost out of here for this part of the show. We'll take take a quick break. On the other side, we got a lot of great questions from you all. But before we do, we're going to do a Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, I sense a theme. That's right. You know what? I started recommending this one a little bit too early, so we've been recommending it for a while. But damn it, we're still going to recommend it. It's Thrawn Ascendancy, colon, Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn. Uh, we are going to be getting into this uh, as we are recording this, not this coming Thursday, but next Thursday. So we'll be reviewing this one soon. So if you want to catch up and have uh, heard the book, please go for it. Absolutely. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. We are going to take a quick break, reset. I am going to fix my tongue, and we are going to answer your questions here on Force Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Welcome back to Force Center. We have covered the news. Now it's time for your questions. We take your questions from our, all over our galaxy. Twitter, uh, Facebook, remember Facebook, and especially Patreon. We always take some there each week. Joseph, you pulled some tough ones today. I <laughs> am ready. 
Yeah, this is a great mix. We're going to go to Twitter first, and we have a question from Nerd Frequency. Uh, and Nerd Frequency, I almost just said nerd like that was a first name, but no, it's Nerd <laughs> Frequency, full name all the time. Uh, here, uh, clearly a handle. Uh, anyway, Nerd Frequency asks, what is your favorite moment in the sequel trilogy? And what oh. do you think the most memorable line is from the sequel trilogy? Super easy question that mm. you and I are both just going to have one answer for. Right, Ken? Yeah, I got your notes <laughs> late last night as I was uh, finally getting to sleep. Brought this up and I went, ah, man, I'm going to have to watch all three of the movies tonight. Um, so, all right, I'll, I'll just run through some. Some final, uh, it's not, uh, even as I'm talking, I'm not going. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's do let, me, yeah. let me ask you a question about this question. Okay. When you think favorite for you, how do you, in, how do you interpret favorite for yourself? Oh, that's great, sir. That's, that's even a great follow-up. These are, these are scenes that moved me and passed the test of time almost immediately for me as, as a Star Wars fan. And I judge this perhaps maybe going back to the prequels where I can say, well, I certainly didn't like Jar Jar stepping in the poopy, but man, that one shot and that sequence. Oh, I love it. Uh, Attack of Clones, you know, you, you all hear you you all hear me talk about the the the, the sound of the, the charges from Jango's ship. Yeah, that's that's one thing. And I probably talked about that too much in my Star Wars fandom life here. But you know what I often put on Attack of the Clones for? Just no. to hear and watch Padme's ship enter uh Coruscant oh yeah just love watching it just love seeing it hearing it feeling the vibe of that scene none of the explosions and everything happens later yep this in the movie starts but I just love that I just love that and okay. that that's part of what I look for here though I'm going a little bit bigger maybe some scenes like I said just immediately kind of have a little bit more oomph to them yeah yeah, I like what you're saying about standing the test of time, that, that they're ones that grabbed you on the first viewing and grab you every time. Yes, right, like right in the theater, you feel it. Nice. There's things you and I have to discover later as fans, we all do. Like, oh, oh, we're told, oh that moment, oh, that's right. There's moments in the theater where you're just like, oh, yeah, that's why I love Star Wars. It's that, <laughs> that feeling. Uh, you know, and I, I wrote a, uh, a damn book about it, typos and all, but I, th that's what I judge it on. Like that when you're sitting in your seat and you just go, oh, I love, I'm so glad I made the decision to love this. <laughs> nice. Uh, so what are your, uh, what are your favorite moments, uh, oh. list? And then we'll, we'll talk about lines separately. Oh, oh, sir. Uh, how am I going to do this? Um, all right. Yoda appearing the whole hmm. sequence in last Jedi is perhaps one of my favorite of the sequel trilogy, but the pan, those cute little Yoda ears, and just the moment and the music shift, everything. Love that. Uh, without a doubt, uh, I've talked a lot about loving uh, the Ben's memory of Han Solo. That might be my most, just kind of like my emotionally favorite. Kind of gets me, gets the waterworks going. It added much to a moment that initially, as I've talked about, even this episode, questioned a little bit in two, 2015, now just works on, a, on another level. Uh, Ray snatching the saber in the throne room, uh, the Snoke uh, throne room scene, uh, her just that boom, that heroic moment. Um, I love the one on Star Starkiller Base, but that one, the music swell, the slow motion fight after. Uh, but also going to Force Awakens, Ray handing the saber to Luke. I love it. And yep, yep, you might want, well, you know, where did that go? No, I love where it went in Last Jedi because it does not take anything away from this moment. She is now part of the story and the story's going to go, her journey's going to go where it needs to go and it's not going to go the way she 
wants it to go. That's what we learn in eight. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, what's uh, the themes are about. But I go to that seven moment climbing the stairs. You guys have uh, heard me talk about the Jedi steps before. But then I'll put this one in. Uh, Lando and the fleet arriving in the rise of Skywalker. Mm. There's more of us, Bo. There's more of us. Oh God, it gets me going. It gets me crying. It gets me just chills. That's a Star Wars victory moment for me. Yeah, yeah, and Poe flipping up there and and literally traveling up to see the uh, the benefit of holding on to hope and seeing that he was right to hold on to that hope and and all of those ships. Uh, it's very powerful, very powerful. That's a great list. Mm. Yeah, I, I I did the same thing for you as as you uh, you know I, I for me it's really hard to just pick one moment because I think they all mean lots of different things. But I kind of went with the same criteria when I thought of favorite. It was moments that just uh, hit me like a ton of bricks in the theater and hit me every time I rewatch. Um, Ray catching the lightsaber in The Force Awakens uh, mm-hmm. is such huge uh, power uh, for me. It it really worked. I, I knew narratively that she that the lightsaber had called to her and she had resisted the call. I knew she had opened herself up to the Force, but there was that part of me that thinks, oh, this is Luke's big entrance. And it yeah. was so successful in the moment to uh, have it be like, no, it's her moment of her uh taking of this first terrifying steps <laughs> uh, into this journey. And I love the look on her face. Like we get that hero moment of Finn a couple seconds earlier, which is great. And that's like somebody who knows what, what a battle is and he's mm-hmm. resolute and, and ready. And that when that saber lands in her hand, there's that mixture of determination and fear. And it's just, it's so, so powerful. So uh, it affects me every time. Uh, going to the Last Jedi, uh, Luke on crate. It's it's hard for me to pick what exact moment, but I think really the comp the moment where we are uh, that he has just given his heroic uh, every word you just said is wrong yeah. <laughs> speech. Uh, the the one of my favorite lines, the the chilling, you know, the and I will not be the last Jedi, and then transitioning pretty quickly to realizing uh, that he's on you know Octo uh, th- that that those combination of moments of realizing uh, the symbolic power of what he's done and the actual mastery of the force uh, that has, it, it's taken him to do that is, you know, really mm-hmm. powerful. Um, the, yeah, the, the cheek touches, <laughs> the cheek <laughs> touch that saved the galaxy is, uh, as I like to call it, or at least contributed to it uh, uh, going, the moment is powerful in the force awakens all by itself uh, that, even after you've done the worst thing imaginable, I still love you. And then having that payoff in the rise of Skywalker, uh, Leia's flight, you know, seen for the first time, Leia truly used the force in a, in a big way on screen. Um, and then two other moments from uh, rise of Skywalker. Uh, there's so many moments in rise of Skywalker, the Lando showing up with the ships, uh, so many just themes that are just moments that reinforce that theme of, we have individual power. We need to choose to use it. Uh, but we are always stronger when we all pool our power together. And I think that's echoed in Ray reaching into the force, you know, when she could so easily give up in that moment, but she, uh, you know, holds on to hope and, and makes this cosmic connection to all the Jedi that have been before. And, you know, Yoda mm-hmm. saying that she's never been alone and rise in the force. I absolutely love it. Uh, and then last one for me is the Ray and Ben two shot when they, when they join together, in Exegol, and it flips mm. around, and they both bring up the the blue sabers at the same time. Ah, oh, man, chilling. Yeah, yeah, gosh, great stuff there. I got to tell you that the the Ray hearing the voices, there is something about there's that kind of one two punch of Luke's 
talking to talk store, Yoda talk store. And when she starts rising on kind of uh you know, Yoda's your attack, that, that uh that's a low-key crier for me. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of moments in Rise of Skywalker that I I get teary-eyed just thinking about him, talking about him. That one is one of those where I'm like, I'm not I don't I don't necessarily immediately rate it on a list, and then it happens, and I'm like, <laughs> and I just love it. Yeah. It's just such a tribute to her not giving in to fear when she is at her worst moment of, you know, this is exactly what she's afraid of. She's all alone and the people that she's, you know, cares about are up there dying and she could give up and and she doesn't. And she's I think I relate to it. I think, you know, since I was a kid, I would love to hear Yoda in my head going, you've never been alone. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's it's powerful. Uh, All right. How about for you? What are uh, memorable lines? Uh, And I guess these could be kind of deep or meaningful or just the great um, quips. Here's here's okay. I did. I we're also building some great Star Wars ranked episodes here. Nerd Frequency, we might have to give <laughs> producer credit on some future Star Wars ranked episodes. I got to tell you, I submitted one, sir. I submitted Ooh. one. I tried to answer this directly, and it does not mean I didn't have other choices. I just tried to think to myself, what is the line that when I think of the, of the sequel trilogy, it is the line that pops up? And I went with, no one has ever really gone. Hmm. And yeah. it is what it means for comfort when you're dealing with loss. It is a warning for great evils that may still exist and you must be careful and you must be vigilant. And um, it just works on so many levels and it can be used in uh, time and time again. And it is, I'm trying to think of the equivalent from the original trilogy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> force me with you for the equivalent. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, And also it speaks to me as an older fan who, you know, loves these movies, but loves Han and and Leia and Luke and Lando and sometimes wish I had a movie that they all made together in 1995. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, And that can't exist and it didn't exist and it was not what happened. But to me, it's like, yeah, no one has ever really gone either. Uh, Not just about the passing of Carrie or Peter Mayhew that we talked about in the news section, but just the characters. And even when a character dies on screen and you're crying for the, what that character means to your life, uh, the story still exists and we can still go back and tell more of those stories and, and no one has ever really gone. So it works for me on that level too. And I'll, I'll submit that one, sir. I think that's a great one and, and so impressive that you can only submit one. Uh, oh, it's hard. Yeah. I wonder if in the original trilogy, trilogy it's the force will be with you always. Cause that's kind of the affirmation of I Luke. Think- at the end of a new hope of like, believe in this power. This power is real. You have this power. It connects you to everyone and everything. Believe in it. I think you're right. I think that is the equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so such a great pick. No one's ever really gone because it speaks to so many themes about uh, if the sequel trilogy really is about, you know, Hey, great. You Anakin was a hero and then he fell and then he found redemption uh, through his son. But that stuff doesn't just end. Uh, there's a shadow of it. There's a legacy of all the people and all the wars that came before. And that's can be a lesson to, uh, uh, you know, hold about what challenges are going to come in the future. But it can also be this comforting thing, like you said, of like the people you love uh, live on in you, uh, in your memories or, you know, sometimes in your actual lineage or your adopted lineage. Um, and it goes to this lesson of what Kylo is wrestling with of. You can go around 
blowing things up and slaughtering little literal people mm. <laughs> and literal things of the past. Like even in the comic book, the Dagobah tree, like you can blow everything up, but it's not going to make it go away. Just like this memory of your dad is not going to go away. You can't, you can't make the past go away. You, you have to uh, find lessons in it. You have to find joy in it. And I think all of it's, you know, built up in that one beautiful line that can be, you know, very, very comforting and very ominous in the trailer for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Great pick. Uh, just for quip, I think because I liked it so much, what sometimes it just jumps to my mind is that's not how the force works. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. It's such a funny line. And I love that it ends up being kind of turned on its head of like, turns out for Finn, that is how the force works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but other ones for me, I think... Uh, not fighting what we hate, saving what we love. I, I think that's so powerful and that continues to resonate because I think it is ideas that have been absolutely just a vital part of Star Wars for a long time. But there's something about that exact phrasing that just captures all of these uh, complex ideas. So I think that one's really powerful. And the last one I'll say is uh, confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Um mm that has all this weight to tie together the saga of the, you know, starting with a, a phantom menace of the idea of, you know, uh, we sense much fear in you and that that's a problem. And wh where is fear going to take you? But fear is natural. So we all have to confront it and connects, uh, you know, with Luke's choices, his fear for Leia makes him lash out at uh, his father when he uh, doesn't want to. And it almost his fear of Ben makes him uh, consider something awful for even a second. Uh, and Ray is going through that. Her, the, her fear of her anger, her fear of her hurting her friends uh, accidentally. It, she's going through all that. So it has this great weight of, you know, Luke has come around to like the Jedi do need to exist. And it, why? It's because they're a symbol of this, of confronting your fear. So it works on all these deep levels. And it's, it's a comforting thing for me to think of when, you know, it's just like, I have to send a scary email, Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, well, confronting fear is a destiny of a Jedi. It's a, it's a simple, but profound little sentiment to remind you of, you know, if, if these are morality tales to, to help us, um, get through the difficult parts of life, that's a fun one to think of, of just when I'm doing something mundane, that's scary to me. Mm. you know i this is an opportunity to be like my my jedi friends and confront fear yeah my jedi friends indeed my jedi friends yeah so just you know a, a little mini episode of star wars ranked as you said <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the great question nerd frequency we'll move on to a question from frederick frazier uh frederick asks with Filoni's next animated Star Wars project, do we follow what happened with Ezra from Rebels, more with Ahsoka and Sabine, or new territory entirely with something to do with Project Luminous? Uh, project Luminous, of course, we now know as the High Republic. Whichever way it goes, says Frederick, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's safe to say we agree with that. We're looking forward to more mm -hmm. Star Wars. Uh, if Filoni himself is, so we know Bad Batch is coming out, right? And he's, yeah. you know, an executive producer or whatever, but somebody else is the showrunner who's doing the kind of day-to-day creative work. If Filoni does have another animated series that he's really directly overseen uh, under his uh, great cowboy hat, uh, what do you want it to be for Filoni? I, I think I, I uh, just know if ands or buts about it. Take the Ezra Ahsoka Sabine story, whatever you got planned for that, and just give it Give it to us. Um, you know, you and I talk about sometimes we love, you know, 
uh, thinking of the stories we don't have and maybe we're okay with not having them. You know, the, some just like, let that, let that one sink in and your imagination takes, takes it uh, where you want to go. But this one, it seems like he, he just, he just wants to tell the Ahsoka stories. He's so protective of that character. And I mean that in a good way that especially if he shows up anywhere else, but just to, this key story, and the where it end with Ezra and Thrawn, I just, uh, give me the answer because I'm sure it's going to be uh, great and I, I would love to just experience that. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, I, I like that idea of Project Luminous. I, I really do feel like it is just a publishing initiative right now. I would be happy to be wrong, but I also kind of like the idea of like, put out a year of these books, uh, let us fall in love with these characters and then, you know, discover we're going to get to see them on screen. I'd be very happy with that. But for Filoni in particular, which I really like about Frederick's question, not not just which next animated thing you want, but with Filoni's next thing, mm-hmm. he does have such uh, love and protection, as you're saying, of the character of Ahsoka. But it's such an intriguing cliffhanger of Ahsoka and Sabine, two great characters, go searching right. for a third great character, Ezra. But then it just involves so much, right? Uh, in theory, if we're all right, that uh, Purgletown, Purgatory, wherever they went, <laughs> is in the unknown regions. Uh, you can possibly deal with some uh, emergence of First Order. There's been all this talk of the horrors out there in the unknown regions, and I know the Thrawn books uh, get set there, but uh, there's a lot to be uh, talked about. There's Thrawn's fate, there's Ahsoka's fate, and Ezra's fate. There's so many characters' big fates that I just, I want Filoni to tell the end beats of their stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's always room, as we know, you know, first meeting, first time we ever met as an audience, Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's gone. First time we ever meet Maul, he's gone. Uh, Just because we know the end of a character doesn't mean we're done telling stories about them. And I would love for Filoni to be the showrunner, hands-on main creative person to tell us the end beats of Ahsoka and Ezra's journey and possibly Thrawn's or leave it back open. Uh, so Timothy Zahn can get in there and write some more books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. I'd love to see some, uh, maybe some kind of redemption of of, of Thrawn. Not that I, uh, not that he's a character I'm rooting for him to refind his heart and become quote unquote good again. But you know what I mean? Like there'd be something interesting there in that. But anyways, different conversation. But Frederick, that's where I'd go with that. Yeah, me too. So we'll move on to Patreon. Uh, Eric Tassoni uh, says in Revenge of the Sith. When Mace Windu and the other Jedi want to arrest Palpatine, do you think there was a specific law or statute in the Galactic Republic that Palpatine could have been arrested under? Did the Republic have a law outlying the dark side of the Force or being a Sith Lord? I wonder if Palpatine had been arrested and actually brought to trial, would the Senate basically had to release him on the first day because they did not have any existing laws to charge him? As always, love to hear your opinions and discussions. Uh, Ken... We always get great questions. This is yeah. one of my personal favorite questions. <laughs> right. Eric's great. Yeah. Yeah, we've met him in person at events. Great cat. And uh, this one's got my head spinning. Yeah. Do you mind if I dive in? Because uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with this one. Uh, I think that there is less ambiguity than there used to be uh, in this question because of Rise of Skywalker. Um we know uh, from canon, from modern canon, it's been established uh, a, a couple places, and <laughs> including uh, Fantasy Flight Games uh, rule books, that yes, indeed, there was this massive war between the Sith and the Jedi, and the Sith weaken themselves with the infighting, and the Jedi ultimately win, and the Republic that we know, that we see the end of in the prequel era, gets formed. So it's really 
it's logical that this version of the Republic emerges and the Sith aren't at that point this imaginary threat. They've been at horrible war with them. So I think there probably are some anti-Sith laws. And then in Rise of Skywalker, that's really supported by the reason that 3PO says he can't read the Sith ruins, uh, the ruinic language of the Sith on the blade is because it's against his programming. And he's starting to say, I believe it was uh, outlawed by the Senate of the Old Republic when he gets uh, interrupted by the Vexus serpent. So 3PO is pretty much uh, implying Mm-hmm. That if droid programming has a rule against reading Sith language, you would mm-hmm. think that there's some ancient, you know, Republic law of like, yeah, no, Sith are to be arrested <laughs> on site. Yeah, yeah uh, I am behind you on that one. That's kind of where my mind was going. I also go to like, especially if you're just looking in 2005 lens and not knowing uh, what's coming, but just... uh something about the emergency powers and when you're supposed to step down. And I could see something in that, some technicalities, but it's, it's less dramatic. We're going to arrest you on technicalities here. Please come with us versus you're a Sith. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's probably some ancient law, but I also agree with, uh, with you. If this question just popped up, you know, in 2005, I think it's kind of what's at stake, you know, in that scene with Mace Windu is, Let's say that they successfully arrest Palpatine and they start doing some investigation. They dig through his office and let's say they manage to find some communications. If they can find any evidence that he actually of his communications with Dooku or Grievous, um, they have an endless amount of what I would think would be fairly standard laws against, you know, treason. (laughs) And yeah. uh, sedition and murder and conspiracy and probably money laundering. Um, you know, we're doing that uh, Clone Wars animated series deep dive and there's uh, episodes early on where it's clear like Grievous is like, hey, uh, Darth Sidious, uh, I got a problem. So uh, with these Jedi, they won't get off my tail. And, you know, Palpatine's like, cool, I'll manipulate this senator uh, into a trap of death. <laughs> I'll send Padme into the jaws of death. Like if if they could find the evidence and prove it, I think there's a bunch of incredibly standard laws about like, yeah, you can't secretly support the uh, people that we're at war with. Yeah. You can't start a, 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 the, the war we're fighting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think that, that, I think that tracks and it all kind of flows into the Sith, the Sith angle, especially with 3PO really does work for me now. Now that the whole story is told and completed, it, it, it lines up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what is one of the, hinges of this story uh and we don't need to get deep into it but i I love that mace has that very specific line of you know we can't arrest him because he's got control of the senate in the courts the the courts couldn't even convict newt gunray so even if that evidence exists has palpatine successfully twisted the courts to his whim that people would just throw up a bunch of, you know, smoke and mirrors and go, yeah, well, technically, yeah, he did call Grievous, but let's really parse this one word in the sentence. Did that really mean, like, I think that's literally the story that's being told of Mace is standing there in that moment, knowing that he has perpetrated these awful things and is going to do more, but not, but really afraid that the system is broken now. Right, because it is. (laughs) because <laughs> it is yeah really really fascinating stuff oh man eric thank you uh, great i love talking about all those topics we're gonna move on to our final question this comes from adam knight adam says 
this question might best be answered by Jennifer. <laughs> uh, and, and we feel that. We feel that. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, question might best be answered by Jennifer, but I came to a realization only very recently, to my utter shame as a Star Wars fan, that has inspired this question. You see, my seven-year-old daughter has, of her own volition and interest, I swear, become obsessed yeah. with all things Star Wars. But most specifically, all things involving the female characters in Star Wars. Watching her bounce in excitement as Rey face down Kylo Ren, scream at the TV as the Jedi didn't believe that Ahsoka was innocent, or every scene where Padme and Leia showed strength and grace before adversity. If I ever doubted how much adversity matters before, I know differently now. So with that said, whom do you think is the most impactful female character in Star Wars, and why is it General Leia? <laughs> smiley face <laughs> a lot of great things uh in this question adam thank you for uh sharing uh your perspective uh from your daughter's perspective yeah. uh and yes this is absolutely a question that is so many questions come across that we would love to have jennifer here to answer and uh, we have been reaching out to jennifer and she is really busy uh during this strange time uh, being the mother and Jedi master to her Padawan. So uh, she wants to be involved in we reach out and uh, and hopefully we can get her involved. But we also need to be respectful when she says, uh, I'm, I'm doing some parenting here. <laughs> doing some parenting in a lockdown and have a young dog, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget the dog she got right before the second child. Uh, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, a lot going on. I mean, I'd say that to you, to, to all, all listen. Yeah, no, we get that a lot. And just to address it in a real sense, uh, Jennifer's always missed here, but she's part of the team. And we encourage you to follow her, reach out, ask your Star Wars questions, and, uh, you know, she can respond online too. But Adam, this is a great question. And yeah, do you know what? Man, I, I Leia's, the, Leia's the answer. I think Leia's the answer, but I don't think we're going to have an entire generation that's clearly going to be looking to Ray. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in the best way possible, I, I absolutely think we might, we, we may, we might already be there, but the, 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 the legacy of Leia is all through the sequel trilogy and it's very important. And, and we got Carrie um, for all of them really, but uh, you know, seven and eight to, to really just kind of be on screen shown, shown uh, who she is as, as Leia. So yeah. Well, yeah. It's one of those two right now. And hopefully more, hopefully more will emerge for new generations. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Leia and, and Ray are obviously extremely impactful because they, are, in some ways, are the, um, the 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 largest in terms of like they are you know stars mm -hmm. of uh, trilogies. Uh, Padme, obviously, uh, for a lot of people, had a huge impact, particularly growing up uh, with uh, the prequels. I also think this is one of those. Um, it is going to be really different for everyone. We did that. Uh, episode about seeing yourself in star wars and i think we we all gravitate toward the big characters who are main characters of the main trilogies on the big screen but then i think there are all sorts of different factors that can go from anything to appearance or life situation or uh just wow the personality of that character is similar to my personality and i think that makes characters uh impactful to us or they're they're being challenged by specific things um, so I think, you know, you could have Padme, you could have Sabine, you could have Hera, you could have Jin, Enfys Nest, all, all these other characters be impactful. Uh, I agree with you, Ray. I also think Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka is really unique because, you know, she's hasn't been on the big screen yet. You know, rumblings that she's going to be on the small screen. But just in Clone Wars. I think she's incredibly impactful because it's so unique to be able to grow up with her. Like I have started to appreciate Ahsoka even more from that perspective of she is the character who gives 
anyone who's ever imagined, I want to be a Jedi, really, really gets to slowly walk through it in the traditional path of being a Padawan, of uh, learning from your master, then encountering all these trials and, you know, emerging from them. And I think she might be impactful because she, well, she certainly makes mistakes over the Clone Wars. When the big trials come, she makes really good choices. And even when she's young and making uh, mistakes, even when in those early episodes of Clone Wars, when Obi-Wan and Anakin are kind of going back and forth, she's almost always the one who's like, maybe there's a third way. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, There's something incredibly powerful about Ahsoka because she starts so young. We really get to see her uh, mature to somebody so wise. And she passes her, her trials really, really well, uh, especially in, in Star Wars, where a lot of times the lesson is learned because the character makes a grave mistake. Right. I think one of the things about Ahsoka, that's a, that's a great answer, is let's say you are a, a 13-year-old, uh, specifically a 13-year-old girl, and you get into Star Wars, and you discover Clone Wars in the season one. Maybe you're doing a chronological rewatch with us at Force Center. <laughs> Maybe this was in 2008. This is one of those characters, too, that, like you said, you could literally grow up with. Now there's a little bit of a time jump between uh, seasons uh, even five and six and six and seven, which is why I'm saying maybe you discover it now. And 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 you are literally going to grow up with this character. And if you're a 13-year-old girl like, oh, I like this Star Wars thing. Oh, man, I'm finding that not everyone likes me being in it. Um, I'm finding that some of the decisions in front of my own life uh, are difficult. And I have mentors I value and uh, they messed up all those all those things. Um, That's going to that's going to really stay with you for life. That's going to be a a show or a character that you grew up with is is uh, is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So those are those are answers. Those are uh, what what two dudes think <laughs> the most impactful female Star Wars character is. And we're fully owning that, acknowledging that we I thought it was a, a great uh, it is a, a fun and honest question uh, from Adam. So I did want to take the time to talk about it. We are also acknowledging that uh, the people who truly know which uh, female uh, characters in Star Wars are the most impactful are uh, the women who are being impacted. And we're always uh, we always want to uh, to hear from you in here what impacts you in Star Wars. So, Ken, uh, those are our questions. Man, good stuff this week. Big full episode of news and questions. Ah, man, a lot of fun. Just celebrating Star Wars with all of you. We got glee in our eyes talking about Star Wars. You can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Uh, use hashtag Force Center. Join the, the conversation. I will learn to talk again one day. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We are on Instagram and YouTube. New in memoriam up. More things on the way. Podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us at patreon.com slash Force Center. We have our own things uh, we like to talk about as well. And uh, for me, over at KenNapsock.com, uh, we did announce... Um, last night on Mark Riley's uh, Cantina show on his YouTube channel, big live event coming up October 10th. We'll be live on stage, so you don't have to. You can stay home in the safety and comfort of your own home, uh, and tickets are available. You can go to KenAppsock.com in the show events page, and uh, we are excited to have special guests, including Mr. Joseph Scrimshaw, contributing to this uh, live 
uh, celebration of this crazy thing we love with a, a little bit of uh, comedy and humor. So look for that there. Uh, we also are highlighting charities that are close to our hearts, and I'm still highlighting the California Fire Foundation. Go to cafirefoundation.org uh, as uh, we are uh, still battling a lot of uh, fires out west here. Uh, a lot of states, obviously Oregon really affected right now, but uh, this is the California Fire Foundation uh, that I'm supporting. So uh, that's uh, my stuff. Joseph, what do you have? That's all great, and I am uh, thrilled and honored to be a guest on the big show. Looking forward to that. Uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for info on my other podcast, Obsessed, uh, comedy albums, uh, their links to that show, uh, Tigtone. And again, if you're interested in a weird uh, comedy fantasy show, um, the episode that I scripted this season is coming this Sunday, Midnight uh, Adult Swim. And I'm also highlighting the uh, website voteforward.org. The actual website is votefwd.org. This is something that I'm doing. Uh, you just write a little message to other voters, encouraging them to vote, sharing why you vote, uh, why it matters to you, and encouraging people to use the power they have to make the choice that they want to make. So if you're interested in that, check out votefwd.org. Check it out, my friends. Get involved. It is the time. In fact, it's always the time, but especially right now. So uh, check that out. Go to our websites. And uh, we will be here, if you're listening in order, Chronological Force Center order. Big discussion on uh, Force Center scene by scene inside Obi-Wan's hut coming up this week's more star wars ranks and yeah eventually we're just gonna have to rank all of our scenes and lines from the secret <laughs> we have a lot of thoughts that is it for this week we'll see y'all soon this was force center Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.